Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sons podcast. That's at the Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love surprise signing day commitments and hate blue blood favoritism in college football award voting, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sons podcast, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix. Today is Thursday, December 16th, and Kenny Pickett came in third in Heisman voting. Squid, Dylan, your reactions. Slightly offended by third. Was really pushing for a second place finish for Kenny. Thought mm-hmm. he deserved it, but Hutchison was the trendy pick and his team's in the playoff. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's just, it is what it is with uh, college football wars, the media, the Blue Bloods are going to get all the love. And it was just cool to see uh, Kenny in New York for the housing ceremony. I think that's something we we were all pulling for all year, hoping he could make a surge, a push late, maybe, you know, actually get the trophy. But nonetheless, a, a great look for Pitt that, that he was even at the ceremony. Yeah, seeing yeah. the whole feature on him with his family and him just being one of the select few to do that was awesome uh, i know it was validating for us guys who have been uh, leading the, the hype train for kenny pickett for years so it was nice for it to all come full circle also nice to see narduzzi throw a quick jab at aiden hutchinson <laughs> typical narduzzi fashion yeah he's really something else but no you're right it's it was incredibly validating uh how long has um the loyal sons Twitter and previously capable faithful uh, had pro picket account, take your slander elsewhere in our bio uh, back when that was a hot take, you know, we've, we've been here since day one. We've been saying he's the best quarterback alive since day one. I think it started a little bit ironically, um, but he legitimately uh, is a top two quarterback apparently in college football so uh even just seeing him at that ceremony was incredible um i both loved and hated how much they kept showing the fake slide and how much attention it got because while it proves that that was the purest heisman moment a player has had this year uh, i do think it kind of took away from some of his other accomplishments this year he threw over 40 touchdowns you know you can you can roll the tape on some of those yeah for a guy who just had an absolutely insane year um made a ton of great plays you know throwing the ball obviously that he's he's going to be a first round draft pick in the nfl but um for it to be a play that half it seems to be polarizing and half of the people watching it probably hated and you know are probably the ones on twitter saying that uh the defense should have took off his head for trying it kind of kind of sucks that you know that took all the spotlight but at the end of the day i love the fake slide that I, I can never get enough of it yeah you won't hear me complaining about seeing the fake slide i'll watch that every day until the day i die but i do think a lot of people who watch that would have been very surprised if they showed someone pickett's actual best plays where he's scrambling out to the left or right throwing across his body and dart through a tight window there were a ton of those they could have put on a 10 minute reel of those alone Probably would have turned a lot of heads. People would have thought, I didn't know this Kenny Pickett guy was that good. I know it's the stats, but these are legit throws. So so one of the throws that they did show, and 
I've seen a lot on highlight reels for him is the throw against Tennessee, the first touchdown where he's scrambling right, little little sidearm action uh, to Stovall. I remember when he made that play when we were in Tennessee, I remember thinking, that was a hell of a play. That was a hell of a throw. Like that shows the growth he's made. And it's kind of funny how, how well it's stuck around and uh, how much staying power it's had. Yeah. That, that one across his body, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And incredible, uh, incredible season. Um, would have liked for at least second thought as far as overall importance to his team. Uh, no one was more important in college football than Kenny Pickett. Uh, but fortunately, he did not leave award season empty-handed. Pitt actually took home uh, quite a bit of hardware this year. Uh, Kenny took home the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award. And Jordan Addison, the 2021 Bolitnikoff Award winner. And friend of the pod. Yes, our best friend. I'm surprised he didn't thank us during his speech there. Kind of disappointed, but I guess thanking uh, his teammates and family take priority. I'm I mean, sure we were next on the list. Considering his signature moment uh, came right after, you know, appearing on this on this pod, you know, you you would think we would be in line for some praise, but you know, it is what it is. We'll we'll, we'll discuss that on the side, but um, no, I, I'm I'm a little upset that the AFCA gave him second team All American. Was the only only. Uh, committee that didn't select him as a first team all-american to keep him from being consensus first team but um yeah uh, unbelievable season for jordan as well uh, i remember thinking earlier in the year like oh this is probably i mean this is definitely the best receiver we've had since tyler boyd um mm-hmm. but he's the best receiver we've had since larry Fitzgerald. I, I think he's definitely surpassed no 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 uh slight to tyler boyd he had an absolutely great pick career and he's doing damn well for himself in the nfl but Jordan Addison, uh, you know, anytime you win the Blitnikoff, that puts you in very elite company. Yeah, he started off the year at a pretty unsustainable pace, we thought, for touchdowns. He would get at least one like every game, and wouldn't you know, it just kept going. It was kind of funny, the AFCA voted him second team, All-American, but they also voted uh, Kenny Pickett first team. That was his only first team All-American nomination. And Cal Automitis, first team All-American from the AFCA. I believe that was the first time they awarded uh, an All-American award for long snapper, and he won it. So pit making history yet again. Yeah, we actually ended up with, uh, what, four All-Americans? Uh, because, and this one was a surprise to me. I We really ring the Kalaja Kansi bell, this podcast, I didn't think that he got a lot of recognition outside of Pitt and the teams that are sorry enough to have to play against him. But Kalijah Kansi did earn a uh, a third team All American. I think that one might have been Associated Press or Walter Football. Um, don't believe I have that one in front of me, but uh, that's that's a huge one, especially for a guy that he he's a true sophomore, correct? Redshirt sophomore. So Red this is sophomore. third year with the program, but either way, um, you know, I, that was an AP All-American honor. And, yeah, we've been saying it all year. I, I think I think he does get a little more recognition. I don't know about nationally, but he has a lot of respect around the conference. You know, anytime they talk to opposing yeah. coaches, Kansi is one of the first players they brought up for this pit team. 
Um, and, you know, other guys made some splash plays. You know, Servassier Dennis was all over the place. Um, Brandon Hill had a couple splash plays this year. Eric Hallett, obviously a big ACC championship game. But I think um, I think it's pretty clear that Kansi is the the leader on that defense and and really the main guy there. And the I, I don't want to say the most NFL potential because we got guys like uh, Haba who who is coming on as a pretty elite pass rusher and mm-hmm. a guy who I think will continue to get some some more honors uh, next year when he comes back. Build off a second team All ACC selection, but Kansi really just I, I think you've said this before, David. I think if he comes back next year, we're we're gonna see you know a guy who really steps onto the national stage is is yeah. probably gonna be in line for some of those you know those Bednarik Nagurski awards that that type of company. Yeah, I I also think we could see that from Haba next year. Um, I actually saw a mock draft the other day. It was for twenty twenty three, and those you know mock drafts one year you know one month ahead of time are inaccurate. Uh, drafts a full year and a half ahead of time, mock drafts a full year and a ahead of time, have the accuracy of a sawed-off shotgun, but it had Haba as a top 15 pick and projected him to really explode with, you know, his draft stock and his national profile because of his build and measurables and what he's shown this year. So I think we have a couple guys, those two and Dennis who could really step onto the national scene next year. And uh, we could be looking at, you know, possibly four guys named on the all American team next year. And, uh, and, you know, three of them being on defense, I think. Just keep reloading. Literally has grown into who he is today. Is that what you're saying? There's no doubt about it. He, you know, he looks he looks really good next to Aiden. There. I don't know if Aiden. I don't know if Aiden could get him down. As we're recording this on Wednesday the fifteenth, we're wrapping up the early national signing day uh, for high school football players across the country. Uh, today, Pitt has just about solidified their class with a lot of familiar faces, with but with also a couple interesting, surprising names who sent in their faxes with their national letter of intent today. Uh, guys, any any of the big news, anything really jump out to you all during today's signing day? Yeah, um, for me, the big one was uh, Sam Okanlola. He is a four-star defensive end out of Brockton, Massachusetts. Um, I don't even, you know, I, I know in the really close inner circles of, uh, you know, pit football, a.k.a. those that have a Panther Lair account. Uh, they had been keeping an eye on Oaken Lola, um, but he he had not been getting a ton of attention because, uh, and this is a real rarity for modern recruiting, he is a high school football player who has kept his recruitment process very low-key, very modest. Uh, Pitt was one of his finalists. Uh, however, he, he had not given any indication of who he liked and there were only um a couple whispers that he really enjoyed his visit at Pitt. um today he picked Pitt over a few uh sec offers um i actually read an article today when i was trying to figure out when he was going to announce that didn't even mention Pitt as one of his finalists so this is a huge get for us he is our uh, he is tied for our highest rated recruit next to Ryan Bayer, that absolute monster out of East Lake, Ohio, uh, 6'8", 331. Um, and this is just a case of the rich get richer. This was a very pleasant surprise. And 
I mean, we are just loading up on the defensive line between him, Jimmy Scott, and the Manaka boy, uh, Sean Fitzsimmons, who looked insane in uh, the state playoffs these past few weeks. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, three of our top five rated recruits were all on the defensive line. So we are losing guys over the next couple of years, but we have a couple of guys who have not even scratched the surface yet and barely even played who are highly recruited. Let's not forget Eric, Elliot Donald, Nakai Johnson, Dorian Ford. We're set there for a long time. And while this class, like ranking-wise, is small and probably the lowest rated of the Narduzzi era, uh, they get some quality players in some spots where they need them. It was already going to be small based off of uh, players returning for their COVID year. Mm-hmm. There weren't many spots available, so they were pretty selective about who they took in. And I think today, Narduzzi mentioned that uh, there are a few spots left, but they're going to be really selective. There might be one or two more high school guys they go after, and there will probably be at least one or two transfers, one of which is hopefully a quarterback. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll touch more on the transfer portal in a, in a minute. Um, but Pitt was also able, and this was a, a bit of a surprise, uh, Jordan Bailey, the running back out of Tampa, Florida, he had decommitted uh, immediately after we won the ACC championship, which really struck um, a lot of Panther Nation as odd. Uh, We then found out that there were some potential academic issues that they were working through between Jordan and the uh, university, but that this was someone that Pitt really wanted to hold on to. And he he stuck with with Pitt today. He is a three star all-purpose back, uh, 6'1", 180. And that was another one that was a bit of a surprise today. Yeah, I think everyone had just figured the ship had sailed with Bailey. Um, you know, with a decommitment just about a week out from signing day, that doesn't doesn't give a, a good sign for, you know, his future with the team. But looks like they're really pushing to get him in whatever it takes to get him here. And I think that's probably a testament to what the staff thinks of his ability and, you know, what kind of player he can be for Pitt. Um, definitely seems like a very versatile athlete, a guy who, you know, can be a bit of a pass catcher as well as a, as a, well as a ball carrier. So uh, I'm excited about him and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, it seems like things are starting to work out for, for both sides there. So out of the, uh, the 12 commitments that we've garnered uh, as of today, do you guys have a favorite or one that really jumps off, you know, the board at you? I'll say somebody who I think is, I'm excited to see they're not the highest rated. They're actually the second lowest rated. If you go by uh, rivals here and excuse me, I pronounced his name wrong. Jay Wabuco from Texas speedster. He's coming in as a, running back, receiver, athlete. I don't know where he's going to be exactly, but I think he's kind of Quadri Henderson-esque. He's coming in. He's going to run track for Pitt as well, so it is real speed. It's not just another fast guy. He's really fast. Uh, I think he'd be really dynamic for this offense. Yeah, of everyone, he kind of seems the most bought in on uh, the Pitt culture. Uh, I always see him uh, on the Loyal Suns timeline, you know, 
retweeting awards guys got. He made a, a comment about how excited he is to be in a receiver's room with uh, Addison, the Bolitnikoff winner, which which leads me to think he's going to skew more towards receiver. Loves Brendan Marion. I, I think he's really excited to be a Panther. Yeah, he's a he's going to be an electric athlete. Um, anytime you get a track guy in playing football, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that down south speed. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. I'm really excited about Sean Fitzsimmons, uh, local guy. He's been absolutely dominant at the high school level. Um, you know, people comparing him to some other interior uh, local linemen. One being Aaron Donald. I don't want to compare it too much to him, but uh, John Malecki was another name thrown out there. Devin Danielson, um, just dominant Whippeal interior defensive lineman. Um, but he's a back-to-back state champ, has been super productive. And, um, you know, anytime there's a there's a local guy who who commits, that's that's who I get real excited for. But there's a lot of guys on this list that I think uh, can definitely be impact players. But just shoring up that defensive line, I think, you know, it's really a testament – especially with Oak and Lola's commitment today, it's a testament to how they continue to build that unit. Um, and I think that's an important unit to build depth on because, you know, you can, we've seen it this year. We've seen it last year, years before that uh, a dominant defensive line can completely throw the other team's offense out of whack and can really neutralize, you know, games mm-hmm. where, where a team might have a lot of speed on the outside or might have a lot of playmakers, but if they don't have any time to get open or make things happen, uh, that, that can really screw up a game plan. Is there a defensive lineman on our roster we haven't compared to Aaron Donald yet? No, I mean, that's the standard. The standard is the standard. The standard is the standard. You know, if you put them all together into one, maybe it can just amount to another Aaron Donald. So I think that's what we're hoping for. Three sacks against the Arizona Cardinals, including the first and last play of the game on Monday night. I don't I don't know if, if there will ever be another football player like him. But no, I... Agree with you. Love Fitzsimmons. Super happy to get a uh, a Western PA guy on the squad. Um, for me, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I have two that I'm really excited about. The first one, Ryan Bayer. Um, family loves Pitt. All in. 6'8", 331. I mean, we are, we're losing uh, or could potentially in the next two years lose the majority of our starting offensive line right now. So having uh, Bayer step in and, and he is just a, an absolute monster. He was the offensive player of the year in his conference in, in Ohio, which is nuts because he is a tackle. Um, but I'm, I'm really pumped on him. He's our highest rated recruit. And then uh, Addison Copeland, the third, the wide receiver out of Buffalo, New York. Um, he is great. He committed, I believe, a while ago and hasn't wavered. Um, but especially because, unfortunately, we lost Camden Brown to Auburn, which I, I would like to talk about in a sec. Um, Addison is going to have to carry the torch for our uh, receiving core in this class. You know, he and, he and I guess, uh, Nwabu, Nwabuko. Che Nwabuko will have to kind of shoulder that load since we lost, you know, a big one at the top. I mean, pit receivers, the name Addison have done well. So I'm sure he'll just step right in and continue that trend. Michael Jordan, Addison Copeland, print the t-shirts. 
but overall, a, a really positive uh, recruitment class, especially considering, you know, how little we had to go on in the way of scholarship spots. Um, but of course, the one negative, Camden Brown, four-star receiver out of Florida, decommits and uh, chooses Auburn today. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? How, how you think Auburn was able to land him and uh, what it means for us? It does stink. I think uh, whenever he was committed to us, he was probably the guy I was most looking forward to because he was perhaps the most uh, college ready. He was like six, three built guy and probably would have played as a freshman if he came here a little bit, at least. And then he decommitted and everyone thought the ship has sailed. He's going to go to some bigger sec school, but then he gave us some hope almost reeled him back in, but instead he decided to go to Auburn, who was 500 and their quarterback transferred. So the SEC is different. They, who knows? They might've opened up the checkbook. I don't know, something like that, but. Which is a fun thing we get to accuse now way more seriously because of NIL. Right. But, yeah, guy out of St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the most prestigious high school football programs in the nation. Um, you know, guys come out of that school and make an impact. Would have liked to see him come up here, but, um, I, you know, it happens. You, you got to kind of take, take on the, the harsh reality of college football recruiting as teenagers change, a lot, change their minds last minute. And uh, this is unfortunately part of, part of that, but. I'll be interested to see. I'll keep an eye on him down in Auburn. And, you know, if it's he, he's two years into his career and hasn't made many plays, you know, Pitt fans will be uh, all over chirping about how he should have came to Pitt and how he'd be he'd be ready to go to the NFL the next year. But no, it hurts, but it is what it is. You got to keep it pushing and uh, try to land the next guy. Yeah, on the bright side, Copeland looks pretty good. He's another big guy similar to Camden Brown, 6'3". And – our boy Che, I think he was leaning towards receiver. They haven't listed as running back on rivals, which mm-hmm. I'm looking at right now, but we have some receiver talent that'll be around for a while. A lot of young talent there. So not the end of the world. Would have been a nice toy to have though. Can you guys name a receiver from Auburn? Sammy Coates. That was the only one I could come up with. Known for just dropping everything in the NFL. So maybe not a good thing. Can we name a second one? No. Not off the top of my head. That one guy who's on the Browns that had a really good week one but hasn't done anything since. Anthony Schwartz? Yeah, he was from Auburn, wasn't he? Oh, I – yeah. Yeah. Auburn. Wow, okay, so two. Maybe maybe Camden Brown can make it three, but, you know, that one hurt, but it's it's – what can you do except blame it on – some like plumbing contractor dropping a bag for him. Uh, re- really quickly though, not related to Pitt, but the number one recruit in the country, an athlete, Travis Hunter, switched from Florida State to Jackson State. Do you guys have any thoughts about that? Because I think that's awesome. Not just for us as an ACC school, but just in general. I think it's, I, I mean, I thought it was cool. I think it's sweet to see. Um... Deion Sanders, what he's doing at Jackson State, because I feel like originally that felt like kind of like a gimmick, like I oh, will get Coach mm-hmm. Prime here, and yeah, yeah, and the, that'll be that. But they're actually 
really, really good at the FCS level and he's landing high level players. He's got a son playing quarterback for him. I mean, it's pretty cool what he's doing down there um, to get a guy who some, some sites had as the number one recruit in the nation. Um, that is just massive for FCS football for HBCUs. Um, obviously, you know, Jackson state is not your average HBCU with Deion Sanders as the head coach, but mm-hmm. it, it'll be really cool. I, I'm excited to watch him next year, see what happens. Sometimes a part of me is like, well, I really want to see the best players like play in the, in like FBS level, SEC, ACC, big 10. Um, but I think I'll, I'll be more happily. Uh, I'll be more happy to watch him next year playing for Jackson state than I would if he was playing for the Seminoles. So uh, I'll, I'll take that trade off. Yeah, I just feel bad for Florida State fans. It was kind of hilarious watching the meltdown on Twitter and social media. Uh, they give their coach an extension, Mike Norvell, the next day, number one recruit in the country in their class leaves, and now fire Norvell. What were we thinking? Florida State, they'll have to get some stability eventually, but maybe not quite there yet. Yeah, it's it's funny to see uh, Dion stealing from his alma mater, but I I think it's great. Um, I'd love to see you know HBCUs playing big time football and getting big time recruits. Uh, I think it, you know, I I saw a lot of people on the lair tear that decision apart. Um, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Would you would you rather study in a bunch of buildings named after slave owners or play for Dion Sanders? I I think it's uh. I think it's a pretty clear cut cut choice. I think he'll still have his opportunity to play uh, high level football. And and if he's as good as he's, you know, projected to be, I don't think it could possibly, you know, take away from his, his NFL prospects. Also opens a whole new can of worms with NIL. I'm pretty sure it's reported that, uh, not confirmed, but the writings from the wall that this was some sort of NIL deal with Barstool, who's affiliated with Deion Sanders. So he's probably get a nice chunk of change to go to Jackson State, but good for him. Everyone said the NIL would make the Alabamas and Ohio States and Texas's impossible to compete with, but here we have Jackson State getting the best player in the country. So uh, I hope I hope it works out. John, I actually kind of cool uh, trend. I actually hadn't heard anything about the the Barstool Dion connection. Can you elaborate for our other listeners that may not have heard anything about it? So I believe from last year, Barstool did a docu series called Coach Prime, where they followed Dion Sanders and kind of the team in like a last chance you kind of way at Jackson State. And um, Dion Sanders yesterday was on a Barstool podcast and said, we're going to shock the world tomorrow. All the news stations are going to be looking at us on national signing day. And what do you know? Here we are. Uh, I don't think there's anything officially confirmed that this is some sort of NIL deal, NIL deal, putting money in uh, Hunter's pocket, but make a lot of sense if that's a, a connection. It feels like, it feels like that's probably part of it. Um, but yeah, I, this isn't me doing one of those like weird or string webs on a <laughs> bulletin board. I think this is something that actually happened just a matter of time before the details come out. 
that'll be interesting to see. But really, I, I think, you know, I mean, look at look at the Steelers in the 70s and, and you know, look at football ever, ever since. HBCUs have always had the talent and the ability. They've just never had the national media's attention. So I'm I'm pumped to see that level uh, of play go up. Maybe see a couple of them sneak into the FBS. And uh, I love, love to see the dispersal of talent in college football. That's what it's all about. You hit the nail on the head, John. Rising tide lifts all boats. Love it. Tony fake the slide. Sauce time. Pick it. Did that work? Touchdown, Pitt. With the majority of Pitt's 2022 recruitment class cemented, all eyes turn to the transfer portal. Uh, there have been three big names tossed around a lot for Pitt. Let's uh, let's talk about them in order. The first one, uh, at wide receiver, freshman All-American from Akron, uh, Kanata Mumpfield. He visited Pitt this past week. Uh, all indications were that he was very impressed, and that would be a huge boost for us um, to add to the class of Jaden Bradley after the loss of Camden Brown, uh, a, a proven Division One wide receiver. What do you guys think about that one? I love it. I mean, he's proven. He put up some really good numbers already, so there's no doubt that he can compete at this level. There's a lot of guys you get in the transfer portal that – you're not sure how good they are because they haven't played much or they leave for whatever reason. This is a case where a guy put up a lot of numbers and is ready to move onto a bigger stage to get noticed. Uh, I think we'll have some stiff competition. I know we visited Louisville and there are some other uh, big names on the list that he was going to look at in the future. But if uh, he comes to pit, he'll be an impact player right away. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 70, 750 yards and eight touchdowns as a, as a freshman. Uh, nothing to scoff at, especially in, at the, Akron. in the mighty Mac. So, um, Not I, just the Mac, Akron. Yeah, so I think, you know, a guy, bringing in a guy who's proven like that, any, any, any weapons they can add to the offense next year, um, you know, guy who can replace some of the production we'll lose with Tacey or Mac leaving, um, you know, Lucas Crawl will be gone. Obviously not a wide receiver, but you know, add, adding some guys who can make up for some of that production um, will be will be interesting. So I, I hope we land them, and if not him, I hope there's some some other guys we can find in the portal somewhere. Speaking of other guys we can find in the portal, uh, I think the big focus of every Pitt fan, um, I think every Division One quarterback uh, who played a snap last year is currently in the portal and two have really drawn Pitt's attention, you know, realistically or unrealistically. And that is Chubba Purdy and Keaton Slovis, uh, the former from Florida state, the latter, a two-time all pac 12 quarterback from USC. What are you guys hearing? Well, Chubba Purdy is definitely interested. He visited Pitt him and his family came out and, that was after Mark Whipple visited them before he resigned. So there's actually a connection there that uh, is solid. I don't think there's any expected timeline for him. I'm sure we'll look around, but that is probably a guy at the top of Pitt's list. Yeah, Purdy. Um, obviously, I think my, my my thoughts with Purdy are he's a guy who was highly recruited, um, played a little bit 
in his college career thus far, but not a whole lot. Um, and he feels like more of a project, maybe not a guy who could step in next year and compete for that starting job. Maybe he could, we don't know, but uh, with Slovis, if that's, if that's a realistic option, that's a guy who, although has struggled the past year or so um, as a freshman threw for 30 touchdowns and has, has shown that he can be productive at the division one level at the power five level. So I think that's a little more intriguing to me. So the Slovis rumors, uh, those actually might be our fault. Uh, so we were the first to break, I think, of everything that I saw on Pantelair, Twitter, whatever. Um, we're the first to kind of clue in the fact that Keaton Slovis, the former quarterback at USC, his girlfriend is actually Kate McKay, the captain of the Pitt women's soccer team. Uh, she was the third leading scorer on the team, an academic All-American, and has spent the last two or three years playing soccer at Pitt. So actually, we, we tweeted that out, and as a few of you might have seen, uh, Kate herself retweeted us and then uh, put a, a screen grab of our tweet on her Instagram story. So, so eyeballs emojis all around at the potential there uh, to to get Slovis in, in blue and gold. Um, there has been some changes to our understanding of uh, that whole potential dynamic. Uh, we, we spoke with some people who are closer to the program, uh, and the indication we got is um, that she, she has graduated, possibly going to be a grad transfer, or possibly uh, playing in a pro league somewhere kate if you're listening feel free to fill us in um but it does not sound like she will be at the university of pittsburgh uh in the future whether it be uh via graduation or a grad transfer so obviously that does hurt our perceived chances at recruiting uh slovis to come head us up but um there are still a few positive indicators. There's a you know a little bit of a silver lining. Uh, the first is that Slovis would be perfect for our system. He's a pro-style quarterback, and he would be able to jump right in and throw to the likes of uh, the Bolitnikov Award winner. Um, and also, there is word that he followed, and by word, I mean we we checked this on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, he followed Jordan Addison and Carlo Zavko uh, immediately after he transferred. So we're going to keep an ear to the ground on any potential for Slovis or Purdy or any other quarterback that comes through. Uh, but this is going to be a developing story, and, and we're, we're hoping that uh, Pitt is able to pull something through here. And then what's he do? He hits him with the face oh. line and goes and hits him with the cha-cha. Makes these guys understand that he can not only throw it, but he can run that bad boy too. Please welcome on to the show, defensive end out of Westinghouse High School, Dayon Hayes. Dayon, how you doing today? Congratulations on the championship, by the way. I'm doing good. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So have you just kind of been walking on sunshine ever since uh, hoisting that trophy a week ago? Yeah, man, that was a wild experience, man. Like, it was crazy because 
I always was telling people like the year before, like last when last year ended, going into this year, I was just like telling everybody, like I think this year is gonna be our year. I don't know why I knew that, but I just felt like we were all closer. Like it was different. It was just a different feel, different everything. Like we was closer. It was just better, honestly. The bonds. Like, we all going out places together. Like the year before that, I ain't gonna lie, we had all the big name players. We wasn't as close, and I think the, the year following that, we just all became closer, and it was just the bond uh, to me. The bond to me brought us to the championship. Yeah, is there um is there anything that happened in the off season? Anything you guys were doing together? You know, like as team bonding activities. Anything in particular that you think made you guys closer, or is it just another year together that you got to spend time with each other? What was it? Well, honestly, with the D line room, we do a lot of. We do a lot of stuff together. Like, we do a lot of meeting in the morning, like, just on our own, just us coming in as a group, just doing film sessions. And we used to just do stuff outside, like, after like after practice, just the D-line. We just going over stuff, helping the younger guys. Just us just learning, to, just learning football more. And it really brought us together, and it really made us better, honestly. Yeah, talk about the culture in that defensive line room. We hear about it year after year. The guys before you are in the NFL. Coach Partridge holds you to the high standard. What's it like working with those guys? And uh... The culture is really strict, man. It is. I mean, I always say, like, I don't like it, but I really do like it because it make, it keeps me on my P's and Q's. Like, I can't fall off because Partridge will always be on you. Like, I, he'll just always out of nowhere ask you something just to see you on your P's and Q's. He'll always be on you, like, it's like he, he's like a drill sergeant, but in a good way. Well, obviously it works out. I mean, what is this, three years in a row uh, we've led the country in sacks? Yeah. Yeah, man, he's different. He's different. He's just a different type of coach. You know, in, my, in my recruiting process, I was just – it was out of two coaches. It was out of him and Larry Johnson, and I just said, why not stay home and be here with another coach? Yeah, so let's talk about your recruitment process. Was it um, was it important for you to play for your hometown team, especially coming out of the city league? Yeah, honestly, it was like like I really never looked at it. I never looked at Penn State because I felt as though they were too cocky and they always try to play on pit. And I'm like, in my mind, <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, why not stay home? And just start like something different here, like a powerhouse with just me. Ellie and Akai and Dorian. I'm like, we could just start something different and special. Like, I never seen, you know, how recruits all stay at the same school and from the same place. So I'm like, why not do this? And was that was that conversations you guys had a lot throughout your high school years? I know you I'm sure you did some recruiting for those guys. You committed a little earlier. But um, was that was that conversations you all had? Like, why don't we just go dominate together? Yeah, honestly, we did because. I remember we we had a little group chat after I was up Ohio State. And we was just talking like where they going, where y'all like where, they asked me where I'm going, where I'm going. I'm like I don't know, but I know it's Ohio State or Pitt. And everybody was leaning towards Ohio State. Did my official visit, man. I couldn't leave the building without saying I'm committed. I just couldn't. It's just too good. I couldn't leave. Who did you tell you were committing? Was it Coach Dues, Coach Partridge? How'd that work? Yeah, the first. Well, we went to. We went to his office after, I think it was after my, like the last day of the official visit. We were just talking and stuff. 
And he was just telling me, like, basically, like, we can start something here, great. And we was all talking. I, I really ended up, I cried a little. My grandma, she was in there crying. And I just was like, gave me the ball, wrote on it. And I just said, I'm committing. And it was that. And it started, everybody started going crazy. His daughters ran in the room. Carlo ran in the room. It was just, oh, it was like, it was crazy. The feeling couldn't be matched. Yeah, so you coming out of Westinghouse, you were considered one of the biggest Pittsburgh City League recruits in, like, I, I think I read decades. And it looks like they've kind of up to the game a little bit. I, I've seen that there's a bit of a resurgence in the City League as far as D1 prospects. Um, what do you think is the reason for that? I think the reason for uh, a lot of a lot of the uh, City League players getting attention, I think, honestly – I think D Brown helps helps help or help the city get out there more. And I think when I really sparked off and him helping me through my through my recruiting process, I think that really changed it all, honestly. Cause it ain't because people believe only the Whoopio have talent. And I I mean they they do got all, usually more talent than the city. But like I could have went Central wanted me to go to their school. IMG wanted me to leave, and I just told myself like I think I could do it, and that just happened. Like, and I, I believed in it, and I'm just, I'm just happy I did it because a lot of people can't do it like that. And I'm just glad a lot of the players now is getting the attention they deserve, and they don't got to go to the Whoopio. See, I love that because I love the city league, uh, city league football, basketball. I tell people there's nothing like it, the atmosphere at in some of those games. Um, but do you think is there? A part of you that thinks there might be some kids seeing what you're doing, you know, seeing what uh, Tyrese Fairbury's doing, Tamir Robinson, these guys are getting some some big time looks now out of the city league. Do you think uh, some maybe city league kids are looking at you guys thinking, you know, maybe I can stay home. I don't have to. I don't have to leave to the Whitfield. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I really think that's happening. Honestly, like, I'll be going around still to like the little league games just to represent like home little league games and stuff like that. Yeah, I really believe a lot of people stand now. Like now, seeing that we all doing it, like I, I swear, I think Western House, we got this linebacker. I think he's gonna really, he gonna show, he gonna show the world something different. So, would you consider yourself a Pitt fan while you were growing up? Uh, or who were you a fan of, college football wise, as a kid? Ohio State was my dream school. So we always rooting for them every Saturday. Yeah, I stay watching Ohio State when they had Zeke. When they had who else they had? They had Zeke, the Bosa's. That's why I really liked them because they had the Bosa's. I'm like, dang, them dudes is like that. And red <laughs> color. I'm like, man, that's where I'm going. That's where my mind was set. But then you and uh, Elliot Donald realized you meet the Bosa's of Pitt. Is that what happened? <laughs> that's the goal, man. That's the goal. You <laughs> trying? take over the city. And I think when we really start getting, when we really start, when we really start honestly getting on the field together, I think it's going to be different. It's going to be a different feeling because, like, we know each other. Like, I was in his, his uncle's program, so we was always around each other. I think it's just going to feel, like, different. Like, it's just going to be different. I, mean, I don't know. I can't predict the feeling. I know it's going to be like a, it's a juiced up feeling. You know, you said you grew up an Ohio State fan, but um, there's a pretty pretty prominent 
local uh, football player, uh, played his days at Pitt, and now he's dominating on Sundays, Aaron Donald. Um, what's it like seeing a guy like that uh, play for the same program that you're at now and, uh, you know, kind of hang around the program, comes back and works out and around the facility? What's that like seeing a guy like that? Well, it's really, uh, it's really like, to me, it's an advantage. Because during the offseason, I always went up to him and asked him, like, 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 got any tips? What should I do? What should I do? And he always told me, film, film, film. He said that's what made him really take the next step. And honestly, I think it's an advantage. Like, I think anybody who, like, see that, because he always here. Like, next, I should be working out with him this offseason, but he's always here. I think that's an advantage to any, to any, like, upcoming, like, players like me and just recruiting process-wise. I just feel, feel as though we got NFL players that's always here, and especially the D-line. Like, that definitely helps the recruitment to me. So it seems like all that film paid off because you stepped up this year, you got a lot more playing time, and you produced a lot more. Was there a moment in the season whenever you felt like things were slowing down or you were uh, getting the hang of this college football thing a little bit? Yeah, honestly, it was the last three, four games. I really start accepting my role, honestly, because I think that was the biggest thing for me. Like, I felt – like I'm like I, I, my mindset really wasn't where it needed to be because I wanted to play. I'm like I just want to start, like, and that's not. I really wasn't realistic to where I was at. So my mindset really changed, and honestly, I started accepting my role, and I started really telling myself when I'm in, just make it count, and it's just been it's everything was falling in place. Honestly, like every everything was just going how I really wanted to go off of just me not playing a lot. I'm just making my reps count and not thinking about the plays. It kind of makes sense because, you know, you really made a push at the end of the year here. You know, I think against Syracuse, you had two sacks and the ACC championship, you had a sack. Um, looking at the ACC championship, when you came in, it seemed like as soon as you came in, you made an impact. You made something happen right away. And then after that, the dominoes started to fall. Was there, did it feel like the energy started to change? Not only when you came in, but as that game went on, could you feel that, you know, you guys were figuring them out? Yeah, honestly, yeah. Like, I, honestly, that, before the game, I'm just in my head, like, like I usually put stuff on, like, like lay, a, a long sleeve, lay sleeve. But I'm like, yeah, I don't like this game. I'm about to turn up. These fans had me, like, it's just the field, the fans, the lights. I never played in nothing like this. The city lead ain't had no fans. I just told myself, like, this is going to be the day. And after that play, I just was turned. Like, I'm on the field. If you rewatch it, I'm, like, pointing at my coach, like, trust me, trust me. Like, because it just – I just felt different that day. I got hurt in the second quarter, though. Thing a lot of people – I got hurt, and I was just – after that, I was off for the game. But I was just supporting my team, man. And honestly, after that, that quarter, that like the last, I think they ain't scored in the second, the second half of the game. It just was over. Like we calmed down to it. We really just settled and just start taking over because it was easy to really dominate the offense because the D, just the whole defense. We knew what they were doing. We just had to just adapt to it. And once we did that, we took off. I remember I rewatched the game afterwards, and it felt like you guys just. It felt like early, you know, it 
seemed like we didn't want to make mistakes as much. We wanted to just, you know, kind of play it safe. But it seemed like at a certain point, you guys flipped the switch and were just really attacking. And it was like every hit was laying the wood, um, you know, turning the ball over. But it seemed like you guys really started to attack them. Was that was that something you guys talked about? Or do you think that just kind of came naturally? Well, I think I think it really just came natural. Like, it's usually usually it's the other way around. Usually we spark off good and not the end. We ain't really that consistent. But this time, we just knew we had to do – we we just knew we had to finish the game strong and we could take – we could we could take over after that half. Yeah, I know as fans, probably shortly after halftime, we thought I was in the bag just because the mood on the sideline. Like every drive, Hartman was getting hit. He was looking flustered, and every hit we were laying was huge. So could you feel the momentum swing on the sideline as much as we could in the stands? Yes, man. sideline was cranking it. It was crazy. Everybody was turned. He kept getting turnovers. He kept dunking. He kept making a <laughs> wow. It was just crazy. Because it was just, we really talked about this in the summertime, man. And we really was there in Charlotte, turned. Was there, was there a point in the game where you where you looked up and saw the score, like saw, saw the time and it really set in for you that, you know, we're going to be ACC champs? Yeah, uh, honestly, I would say after uh, Alice picked six, I'm like, it's over. Like, the momentum, like, there's no way you come back from this. And honestly, we on a – like, we as a team – like, defense, we, we felt they gave up as an offense. Like, we felt they didn't, like, really – they had no fight in them. They were, like, done. Yeah, so we were like, at the game, and we could uh, – we had a moment like that, too, in the stands where, like, I feel like this is in the bag, and there's still, like, 12 minutes left. And then I got home, I rewatched the game and looked at the whole fourth quarter. Wake Forest was moping around and it, it just felt like it was over before the clock even came close to hitting zero. They have no fight in them. They just they just couldn't, they just didn't. I don't know what it was, man. I just think we was hungrier, we was more prepared. Coaches did great preparing us, man. Like it just we just man, we just did it as a program, man. And I think we really I didn't even know this was the first ACC championship. I didn't even know that. And, and the crazy thing is, we did it. We did it with, like, I ain't even saying, like, we we did it with a defense with just we all, every other week, is somebody else doing something. Every other week, there's another person doing this, doing that. It just, we was just, this was a team. A team went to me. And we got the Hasbro. We should have been the Hasbro quarterback. We just had it all. Like we had, we had the juice. Like nobody was messing with us. Honestly, I love it. Yeah, I mean, so many guys step up and made plays all year. Um, so with all that depth, I'm sure there's guys behind you that that you think can step up and make plays. Who are some young guys? Maybe one one young guy you think will pop out next year that people will be surprised by. Uh, honestly, I think I think someone's going to pop off. I think it's McCaff. I, to, I, I gotta say too. I think it's Nakai Elliott in my room. To me, them two. I see them progressing. Like we just had a, a practice Saturday. It was killing, like killing every like every other play, killing. So I really Nakai, Nakai and Elliott, yeah, and Dorian. I ain't even going all three of them. They was killing. They killed the Saturday practice. It was like a, it was like a camp practice because we just we ain't really practice. The week before that Saturday, last Saturday. So it was just all live, all day, team periods, team periods, and they were killing. Like, 
it was he had everybody turned. Well, the future is bright. It is. I'm telling y'all, it's gonna be crazy. So we talked a lot about defense today, but are there any uh, offensive guys who who you've gone up against, you know, day after day in the trenches who maybe we don't see as much because we're not paying attention to offensive linemen or anything, but you're like, yeah, that guy's a problem. Uh, Honestly, I think on the O-line that we never – I got two. I think Matt Gonzalez – isn't it? Matt Gonzalez, our tackle. He liked that. He, he liked that. He's physical, y'all. He like he just physical. Like he he different. Like I like how aggressive he is. Like he to me, he's the hardest. When I'm competing, he the person I really be thinking about the most. Cause he he gonna have me really thinking about what I gotta do to beat him. And I would say Ryan Jacoby, Ohio State transfer. He's like that. He's good. He's definitely he's different. He. He did like he different on technique wise, but he do stuff that you just ain't used. Like he he do something nobody do what he do. He just do something to have you think. Like he shoot his hands different. Like he's a different type of player. Nobody else does it. I never met a tackle. I mean guard slash tackle that do it. So I say them too. Well, future's bright. So let us know what what's the key for you guys next year to repeat as ACC champs. Uh, honestly. For us to repeat, I think we just got to really be more strict on ourselves. Like, honestly, just us being more strict on details, like, honestly, even the little stuff. Because that's really what changed. Like, our details on stuff was just way more. Like, we kept up on that way more. I think us, for us to have a repeat, we just got to be consistent. And us sticking together and us just taking criticism, good, honestly. Cause we go, I'm telling you, we're gonna redo it. I don't see how we can. No way. We'll book our hotel rooms in Charlotte right now for next year. Yeah, get them ready. Cracking. Damn. So, one thing for you next season. What's your biggest thing you got to work on in the off season that you're looking forward to improving your game and uh, adding to your repertoire for next year? Oh, I think the biggest thing. I think I need to work on. Next year, I mean, for next year, is uh, I honestly think just getting stronger faster. To me, that to me that's because yeah, to me that's really what it is. Me being more settled in the system, me just being me knowing like this year what I've done these last four games just to continue next year because I just wish I started off like that because I would have had a. I ain't saying I have a good season, but I just know I would have did way, way more. So I think me being consistent and me just accepting my role in this defense, I'll be good. Love to hear it. Well, as Coach Tom would say, you got a big windshield and a small rearview mirror. So keep it pushing forward. Um, Damn, we appreciate you coming on, taking your time out of the night to join us. And we can't wait to see what you do in the Peach Bowl. Can't wait to see what you do next season, man. Uh, good luck with everything. Hail to pick. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Hell to pet. Hell to pet.
Thank you to Dayon Hayes for joining us, and thank you to you for listening. Uh, we hope that we can uh, fill the empty space in your life between the ACC Championship and the Peach Bowl. So follow along each week as we discuss recruiting and, you know, maybe other pit sports. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at at the Loyal Sons. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify or Apple at the Loyal Sons. Not at, but you know, our name is the Loyal Sons on all of those things. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. Have a great weekend, and hail Loyal Sons of Pittsburgh.